Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Do you remember Jesus said, listen, you who have ears to hear. I want to talk to you today about what God seems to be prompting me about. I hope it will help you. Even if it doesn't, be patient with me, please, and hear me all the way through, hear me out and pray for my family. This year, it seems like a lot of stuff that I have read about and thought about has been on the subject of the battle between good and evil and the need to defeat the things that would call us away from being the people we are meant to be in Christ. So all in all, I want to talk about this morning the things that we can do that promote spiritual growth. It is based on what I have been thinking and is imperfect and incomplete. But certainly I have had enough chance in life to learn what helps and also what hinders. It seems to me that that part of the human condition is the angst or the tension between what I could be and what I am. I found some great quotes to illustrate this tension. Let me start with two from the same person, a heroine of mine. The actress Catherine Hepburn said two quotes that seem the opposite of each other. I think I like Catherine Hepburn because she reminds me of my sisters. I have four sisters They're beautiful and they're incredibly strong-willed women and I love them to pieces. The first quote. I just don't like to be half good. It drives me insane. I'm willing to do anything to try to be really good. I'm aware when I'm very good and I like to be very, very good. I think perfection is the only standard for people who are stars. And yet, the same person says this, I could have accomplished three times what I've accomplished. I haven't realised my full potential. It's disgusting. I think we might all think of her as leading a charmed life. But one of the things that influenced her greatly was the sudden loss of her brother. When she was uh, quite young, I think about 14. More on that later. This is still the introduction. I've been reading the John Steinbeck book this week of Mice and Men. The first time for me, even though it's on the GCSE syllabus, I believe. um, I found a great quote from the author... I can do anything when my will is clean and straight. Anything. So what has that got to do with us? God has called you by name. Alice, Francis, Joe, Heather. He has called you by name. Into a love relationship with him. 
He wants you to succeed and flourish. He wants you to perform the unique mission and task that he has in mind for you and only you can do. So the end of the introduction. The talk is about how to grow spiritually so that you can achieve your mission before the end of your story. As a framework, I have chosen the word growth and built the talk around that. So G is for God. God first. Have we forgotten the first commandment God makes of us? Not an instruction, but a command. A command from the king of kings, the king above all kings, above the king of the world. (laughs) Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Then love your neighbour as yourself. As Jesus says, there are no commands greater than this. The first point of growth stems from these very reference points. Now, to an extent, this won't make sense if you don't have faith. If there is anyone without faith here, I invite you to speak to Liam or to myself afterwards. Just... Ask anyone and they will point us towards us. If we are in Christ and are pointed towards God in our love and understanding, then we will grow. We get distracted easy, but listen to what he says. He wants us all of our attention. He wants all our heart. He wants us to love with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul and strength. That means pointing our intellect, our emotions and our spirit towards God. I feel I almost needn't point this out in this church of all churches, but I will, for the record, say God thrives on our love freely given. He loves our prayers and loves our adoration. If we talk to him, he will respond and through the power of the Holy Spirit, teach us stuff and bless us. My experience is that James, the apostle, is totally right when he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Get near and you will grow. Loving your neighbour is also an absurdly productive way to live your life. To give love away without hesitation means you get blessed. Okay, R is for reflect. In the book of Proverbs, it says, 27:19, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. If you want to change, if you want to grow spiritually, you need to take stock of where you are currently. Alcoholics Anonymous has been teaching this to people caught in addiction for many years. If you are trapped in addiction... The 12 steps are taught to you and you travel with a mentor through them. Now it is certainly relevant for us to know what the 12 steps are if we are in the business of helping each other. But I believe step four is relevant to anyone seeking spiritual growth. It helps us to retreat into our hearts and reflect. Step four invites us to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 
just repeat that. Step four invites us to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. To change or to grow requires us to be fearless in our honesty with ourselves. Without that honesty, we're just kidding ourselves. Psalm 139's words can be borrowed and we can say to God, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. So alone, preferably in our quiet, safe place, we hold a mirror up to our lives and say to God, show me what I need to deal with. Unfortunately, it is the kind of prayer he answers. We aren't all saints. We all sin still. Even though we have been baptised and know Jesus, we are still fallible and fall under temptation. Being honest with myself helps me to work at being a better person, but it is a lifetime's work. If I find I pray pray that prayer to Jesus, the search me prayer, he exposes error in me and sin and invites me to deal with it. What is sin? At its simplest level, it is the things that stop us from loving our neighbour. In the Bible, the Greek word hamartia is often used and translated it means to miss the mark. So if the target is love, have we missed it? Have I missed it? It is probably going to be true that I or we have missed the mark. But God is a generous and transforming God. He wants us to be better. If you invite him to show you what you need to change, he will answer. He says things like, you still haven't forgiven that person or this person, naming them for you, or even reminding you that you have not accepted someone's forgiveness. The thing is, he will call you to action, to phone someone after 10 years, to send a gift to someone. St. Paul reminds us to throw off the sin that holds us tight. God sets the captive free sometimes. Sorry, sorry. God sets the captive free. (laughs) Sometimes we have made our own secret agreements that prevent us from making progress. And God invites you to change that, to let the sin go. That's what the reading we had talks about. Do you want to be noble and lovely? Well, allow God's grace to change you. At Zechariah, it says, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. O is for observe. The life of faith isn't all about introspection and inward looking. We are called to be people who are alert, both spiritually and in awareness. Pay attention to your surroundings and the people you spend your time with. Be present to them and be kind. I've lost count of the times the Bible says, be ready or be alert or when we are told to stand, which I think means about being alert as well. Pray for what you see and hear in the street. Look and listen for messages for you. 
I, I had a terrible train journey a couple of weeks ago, and it like was about two hours into London, and, and I got off the train. I was feeling really grumpy. I was heading down Liverpool's Bishopsgate, down towards the office in Lower Thames Street, and there were all these. It was raining, and everyone was dressed in black for some mysterious reason. And there was one woman who was wearing a, just a T-shirt in the rain. It was a white T-shirt that said, Choose Love. And her witness to me was kind of like, well, that's reminding me that I'm going off in a grumpy state when actually I should be adjusting my brain cell and not caring about the fact that it took me two hours to get to London. So that's about observing what's going on around you because sometimes there is a message for you in the surroundings. So W is for witness. To be a witness for the good things God has shown us means that we are prepared to speak God's truth into situations. To be a witness of the good news about Jesus Christ calls us into times where we say things to others that open up the situation. I have found myself in relationship with people that God has pushed in my direction and I feel that my life is fuller for this reason. Some of the relationships have been transitory and of the moment. Others are with people I still see or email or WhatsApp, quite often just listening to what they have to share. But a long time ago, I adopted a state of readiness to explain my faith. As St. Paul says, be ready at all times to explain the hope that you have in you. I want to share with you, this is a book called The Parish Nursing. It's brilliant, actually. It's kind of kind of mind-boggling. It's about a ministry that uh, can be developed in parishes. But I, I want to share one story, which is about like what happens when somebody steps out and does something that in normal thinking, in the world's thinking, wouldn't be a wise idea. So it says, Susan Dias tells the story of Laura, a young woman who desperately needed an advocate, a person who could affirm the validity of her choice. So she says, I did not know how to recognise Laura, but I had a preset notion based on her sister's brief description of her when she requested my visit. I had not yet spoken with Laura, but was assured by her sister that my visit was desired. I entered the facility. So this is a nurse, by the way, doing this. I entered the facility and the door behind me locked. The unit appeared to be quiet. The unit appeared to be bland, without colour or character. The hallways were notably barren. The waiting room was also plain. No magazines, no books, nothing. There were only two walls, two panels of glass that allowed for viewing or monitoring from the nurse's station. There was a chair and a love seat. An announcement broke the silence of the waiting room. Apparently a group session was about to begin, and all were summoned to attend, and I waited. Laura appeared. She was a thin woman, with long blonde hair and green eyes. She wore a black headband, street clothes, no makeup, and was remarkably well-groomed. 
I would describe her as pretty. Her face was tear-streaked, but she was not crying. She approached the waiting room with hesitation, but continued, and there we met. We stayed in the waiting room so that we could have the most privacy. Slowly, Laura began to disclose her situation to me. I listened. Laura was addicted to crack and parted heavily. She was fighting a lifelong battle with poor self-esteem and long-term battles with anorexia nervosa and bulimia. She had been abused by her father and her boyfriend. She was completely disgusted with life and periodically thought of suicide. But Laura also expressed her desire and willingness to change. And then Laura shared the part that I already knew from what her sister had shared with me, that she was four weeks pregnant. Everyone is telling me to have an abortion, she said. The doctor is, my father is, my boyfriend is, but they don't know. The doctor didn't even discuss it with me. He encouraged me to have an abortion and simply assumed I would. My boyfriend said he would have nothing to do with me. He doesn't want kids. My father said I would be best, it would be best for everyone if I just had the abortion. I don't believe in abortion. I have always wanted to have a child. But I'm so messed up, I don't know if I could be a mother. Laura began to sob. I held her and cried too. Laura's tears came for a long time. And then she asked me a question as she gazed into my eyes. Do you think it is selfish of me to want to keep this baby? The question pierced my soul. No, I said. From that moment, I knew Laura had made her decision. Laura chose life for her unborn baby. Our shared time continued with a conversation exploring pregnancy, healthy living and prenatal checkups. Laura had many questions. I attempted to provide information and direction for the questions. Her countenance changed as it began to sparkle. My relationship with Laura was maintained by phone calls, letters and brief interactions. After we met, Laura entered a six-month inpatient rehabilitation program. Months later, she gave birth to a healthy baby. Laura became a mother and she grew as a caring person. I did too. So when you listen to that story, you can see that like, the dynamics of the situation are really that they're changed by faith, I think. Just the faith that she should be there. And mostly what the nurse was doing was listening to the person. Um, but then she supported Laura in the change, but she didn't withdraw at that point. She stuck with her over what would seem to be like months. That's certainly the implication of it. And so Laura changed because of the help. And I, I think we have this spiritual dynamic going on that all the time there's the possibility for us to intervene or change situations. And I pray for us to have the courage to do that. So T is for Thanksgiving. 
With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, it says in the reading. God thrives on praise and adoration. He thrives on our appreciation. I don't know why. I can see it happening and I understand it, but I don't know why. Why would a creator thrive on our appreciation? But he does. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, it brings joy along with the other fruits of the Holy Spirit. If you can, if it is within your, in your capacity, seek out the things to be thankful for. We have life, we have love and a beautiful creation. Now in the midst of that, bad things do happen. I don't fully know how to handle grief. Back to Kate Hepburn, Catherine Hepburn. As I said, her brother died, and I don't think she ever really handled it properly, judging by her life story. But she did grow into a strong woman and survive anyway. I think we can be thankful for things, but sometimes it has to be as an act of faith. I don't know whether Catherine Hepburn was a Christian or not, but I know from my own experience of grief that sometimes you have to be thankful for the person who has died. And we don't have to just be thankful for the easy stuff. (laughs) But the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds, which is what it said in the reading Alice read earlier. Finally, H is for holy. We are called to be holy. What is holiness anyway? In a sense, it is about the otherness of God. About being set apart, allowing the love of God to come into our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. John says we are baptised with fire and the Holy Spirit. We are to be other from the world in the world but not of it dedicated to following Jesus and knowing God allowing the strong arm of the Holy Trinity to bless us in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit it is about being born again born not in a physical sense but born in the Holy Spirit it is about opening your heart this morning and saying to God I need more, Lord. I need your power to hold me, have me, lead me and heal me.